Welcome to the AI Learners Lounge. I'm your host, Cambria, and this is a podcast where AI meets learning and development. From exploring how AI facilitates individual learning to understanding its integration into broader organizational strategies, we tackle it all. Every episode brings fresh perspectives, innovative ideas, and actionable advice for those looking to weave AI into the fabric of the modern learning experiences. Join me as we navigate the intersection of technology and human potential right here on the AI Learner Lounge. Hello, and welcome back to the AI Learner Lounge podcast for episode 29, where we have a special guest joining us today, Sahaj Vayada. Sahaj is a governance and ethics officer at Zen and a third-year PhD candidate at New Jersey Institute of Technology, where her research centers on ethical governance and policymaking. So today we're going to be digging into the implications of generative AI and learning and development and in ed tech and its responsible use. So welcome, Sahaj. It's really great to have you here. And before we get started, can you share a little bit about yourself with the audience? And if I did mispronounce your name, please correct me here and let us know how to say that. Sure. First of all, thank you for having me on this podcast today. I really cherish this opportunity to share my thoughts and experience with the audience. So thank you so much. So before we move further, let me give you a brief overview of the work that I have been involved in. And then maybe we can work from there. Sure. Thank you. So I'm a final year PhD student in Department of Informatics at New Jersey Institute of Technology. And my current doctoral research focuses on looking at ethical implications of AI governance and data-driven policy making in the education sector. Now, we know that with the advent of generative AI, especially with the release of tools like ChatGPT since the last one and a half year, like when it was launched in November 2022, the education sector has undergone a very drastic transformation. Like tools like ChatGPT, Google Bard, Anthropic, Gemini, Bard, Bing are easily and readily available and accessible out there. So students use them for all sorts of their purposes, like for writing their homeworks, essays, assignments, and typically for every single task because they're so openly available. There's no kind of licensing or maybe even minimal form of uh, payment that you need to do for them. So students kind of know how to use them. But the problem which lies here is that they do not know how to use them in a responsible and careful manner. Just because everyone is using it, people are using it to get into the AI hype and with the fear of missing out. But then they do not know the pros and cons, the checks and balances associated with the usage. And that is because I think due to a lack of foundational AI literacy, not just among the students, but also the parents and the educators. So the aim of my work is to create AI literacy amongst people from different technical as well as non-technical background 
to foster this trust into this emerging and critical technology. Thank you. I think ethics and especially with students is such an important topic. On this podcast, I talk about workplace learning and development a lot, but as a mom of four, I think that educational aspect is really something that's important to me because my youngest is two, my oldest is 16, and this is going to affect every aspect of their life. So it's something that we really need to be taking the lead on and getting out there and really shaping what this is going to look like and making sure they have the tools and knowledge they need to use these correctly. Absolutely, absolutely. As you correctly pointed out, uh, AI has crept into the even most minuscule aspects of our lives without even us realizing it, like knowingly or unknowingly, use it for our very day-to-day common tasks. So, and our lives have become so online and visible, we need to make sure that we are careful about whatever we do. Yeah, I think even just with my kids, I see it a lot in even the games that they play now, like on Roblox, there'll be different maps out there and you have no idea, but there is an AI aspect involved and they're not chatting with a real person. It's AI that they're talking to. And there's no way really to tell what's being done with that information or um, how that's being used. Exactly. Yes. And now that even the companies developing um, these kind of technologies or gamings or robots kind of know the niche like they know their target audience they target this vulnerable population uh, especially uh, kids in their teens or in their young ages or early adulthood because they know that when they introduce some form of product beat an online game or maybe some form of tool for educational purposes you know, it's going to be accepted very readily amongst the audience because they have targeted such audience who want to use these tools because it's been in demand, because it's attractive, because it's so easy to use, and because it's very available out there. But then these kids do not know exactly how to use it so that to get the maximum potential benefits out of it. Do not know the effective and careful implementation of these tools or the applications available. So when we start looking at using educational tools that use AI with students or with our own kids, what are some of the biggest ethical challenges that we might encounter with those, do you think? The first concern here is uh, I wouldn't exactly associate it as an ethical concern, but one thing which is which requires a critical assessment is that of the human creativity. Because, uh, as I pointed out earlier, that students use these kind of tools for writing their homeworks and assignments. So, like, you type in a prompt, like, okay, give me an essay for maybe saving the environment, for example. And you get a very robust, comprehensive essay from your chat GPT or maybe any other tool with diagrams. Now, these tools are enhanced with the image generation techniques as well. So you get a very 
ornamental essay covering all the topics, references, citations, cartoons, images, and you are done. So the task which actually requires a lot of human critical thinking, human cognition, creative skills, uh, and design considerations is done in just a moment of five minutes. So even though you may feel like it saves your time, but on the other hand, you need to think like, is it killing your creativity and the human touch that you actually need to put into these things? And the second thing that we need to be concerned about is the privacy and security of user data. We use a lot of these kind of tools and applications on our mobile phones and laptops. So whenever we download any of these applications, we need to put in our email addresses or the phone numbers in order to sign up for their accounts or give access to our Gmail accounts. So we press on continue, allow, continue, allow, without even realizing that we are giving them access to our very personal side of data. We don't give a deep dive into this thinking. We simply do it because it's very natural. And we have been doing it for a long period of time now. But then when you actually click on this continue and allow buttons, we are giving them access to a whole lot range of data for them to learn about our online behavior. And that's the vulnerable side of things. I think that privacy piece is so important. And I want to go back a minute to what you said about the creativity piece. We hear a lot of concerns from educators and different individuals about students using AI to complete their assignments. So some of them are reacting by using these AI detectors that aren't necessarily accurate and they've been shown to improperly classify something as AI generated when it's not necessarily. It might be human. And then others are go reverting back to in-classroom assignments so where you have to do written essays. Is that the only solution that you see or are there other ways we can overcome that creativity challenge and knowing what's human and what's not? Um, actually, that's a very good question because, uh, you know, there are two sides to these things. Like when you use tools like uh, Google Gemini or uh, Microsoft Copilot for writing your assignment, on one hand, you are kind of trying to save your time, cover a lot more different aspects than maybe a human can think of in a single sitting. So in a way, the output that you get is more comprehensive or uh, par human excellence. But what's missing there is the human cognition or the augmented intelligence that's required. Because you know that whenever we are writing any piece of article, be it academic, technical, or research in nature, any form of writing that you do has a human element to it. And that cannot be replaced by any Microsoft Copilot or any level of chat GPT. So I think that re reverting to in-person assignments or using AI detector plagiarism tools may just be a part of it. 
But even when you simply read these kind of essays or uh, articles, you see that whenever they are generated by AI-based tools like these, they they are kind of mundane. They have a very similar robotic style of writing. But then human level of cognition, which is required, the thoughtfulness, the emotions associated are always missing pieces from these articles. Like you said about augmenting is so important. It's some level we have to allow students and individuals in the workplace too the ability to use AI in a way that leverages their own capabilities not replaces it so I think it all starts but then goes back to that fundamental educational piece of teaching them how to use these tools appropriately so with that do you have any suggestions or framework that you use for educating different individuals on AI ethics or AI literacy? Yes. So the point of that, since now these tools are out there, we cannot go back, put them in a bag and throw them away. No. Because AI is a... Like every technology has its own equal positive and negative side. And given that AI is such an evolutionary landscape at the moment, it's bound to flourish. And we should obviously go with the flow and use it to a certain extent, keeping in mind the pros and cons or the limitations and the advantages associated with it. So the aim of my work is to integrate the responsible adoption of AI right into the school curriculum from, from a beginning and earlier stages so that students can learn it from very early stages of their education so that later on, when they have to actually put it into practical application, they know that what they are using has a certain amount of danger associated with it and how they should keep the usage in check so as to get the potential benefits out of it rather than the harm caused by it. And when you say early stages, what age do you think is good to be thinking about starting this AI education and what would that look like at that age? I think right from an early stages, uh, maybe as soon as uh, you start learning appropriate languages, uh, your native languages, that's when you should start learning these things as well. That would be because as soon as you start growing into your early teens, you become very vulnerable to these kind of things. And then it becomes a little late to kind of stop yourself from using these tools and applications available out there. So why not learn at an earlier stage? And when it's imbibed right into your school curriculum, you will be easily able to accept it rather than if it's given as something additional or add-on as an extra effort. Yeah, that blending it into the existing curriculum, I think, makes a lot of sense instead of just adding an AI module here or there, having it a part of that foundational one and thinking just even how different generations have grown up with technology that has kind of shifted how they use it and doing it at that younger age they really get a lot more fluent in it and they're yeah. able to use it more. I think 
that makes a lot of sense with that. And I think it can help prepare our kids to better use it when they get older. So yes, my use six- it in a very responsible and careful manner. Yeah, I think when I think about my kids for my 16 year old, it's going to be a lot harder to get them to that level that they need than it will be for my youngest when she gets into elementary levels to start building that because she's going to grow up with that and she's going to have that understanding that exactly, we don't exactly. necessarily have. So with that, Absolutely. When we talk about AI ethics, um, often there's a talk about guardrailing and making sure that the systems aren't putting out bias content, that they're not doing hateful language, but sometimes it can become too restrictive is what part of the argument is with that, that you're limiting freedom of speech or delaying functionality. How can we keep that balance of guardrailing these systems, mostly for our children, but also for us as adults, we don't need that bias content either, but also balancing that with the functionality needs to keep it creative and keep it giving us diverse ideas. So it's a very good thing that you pointed out that given that when these systems are deployed in real-world settings, bias is introduced in some form of other knowingly or unknowingly, whether we want it or not. And because the model is as good as the data that you feed to it, and ultimately the data that we feed to these systems is collected by humans and is a reflection of human thinking, which is to some level, to some extent, affected by inherent bias. So the output generated from these systems is also biased to some form of other. So what we need to make sure is to make our systems transparent and explainable. The aim is to kind of bridge the gap between how the software developers, like those who develop these AI models, can embed the ethical principles of transparency and explainability right into the premise by design stage of model development rather than the later stages of deployment evaluation so that we can at least mitigate or minimize the unfair or unpredictable outcomes when the model arrives at a certain decision. While we cannot bring down the level of bias to zero given the state of AI that we are sitting in, but through early adoption of such measures in the model pipeline, we can at least try to ensure to bring down the negative impact caused by the model decision. And how do we achieve this? We take this through a human-in-the-loop approach, where a domain expert will kind of utilize the output from the model and explain it to the end users. We take a human-in-the-loop approach here because we cannot let the systems be completely autonomous. If we let them make automated decisions, that might again lead to the problem of bias and lead to a lot of negative consequences, which may not be desired. That's why a human-machine collaborative approach is required to mitigate these effects. Mm. And that human-in-the-loop piece is so important, especially with when it comes to students or just our children in general. We don't want that to take that risk with the autonomous agents. No matter how good it gets, there's always going to be the need to have that human there. 
Well, I appreciate hearing those thoughts and transparency. I think it's something we don't have right now. It's really black box and no one really understands. Yeah, you don't know what's going on inside. Yeah. Well, um, Sahaj, before we wrap up, can you share one thing that you hope our listeners will take away from this conversation and apply in their own work with AI or their students' work with AI? Sure. There's something I would like to convey to the audience that AI is a very critical emerging and evolutionary technology. But there's no need to be afraid or run away from it. AI is here to help us with our task and complement human cognition. But it will never ever replace human cognition because ultimately the AI systems are created by the humans. So they can never exceed or go ahead of human cognition or replace human intelligence where it's needed. So AI, think of AI as your assistant or your sidekick rather than as someone who will replace you or your jobs or take away something that belongs to you. Well, thank you. And where can our listeners learn more about your work or connect with you online? Oh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or through my email and I'll be happy to respond to you with any queries that you have. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the AI Learner Lounge podcast. Please join me next week for another episode.